Thanks the Philadelphia Flyers Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Collington, and joining me once again is Mr. Kevin Durso. Kevin, Happy New Year. Happy Holidays. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Happy New Year as well and yeah. all that type of stuff. Yeah, doing all right. You know, we're kicking 2023 off pretty strong, in my opinion. You know, the Flyers are on a four-game win streak. That's got to be good, right? Sure. I mean, <laughs> depends on who you ask, I guess, but... All right, well, we're going to get into that in just one second here. Before we do, follow our or follow our uh, Twitter at YWT Podcast. Follow Kevin at Kevin underscore Darso. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Follow us on Sports Talk Philly. All right, getting right into it. Um, Four-game win streak. They beat three pretty bad teams. Let's, right. be honest. Let's be honest. San Jose, bottom of the league. Anaheim, bottom of the league. Arizona bottom of the league. This is also something I said right before we went live here. This is also the topic that is most likely to be irrelevant by the time the show actually airs, because uh, we are recording in on Sunday morning in our usual Sunday morning time slot uh, before the game against the Toronto Maple Leafs, a game I do not expect the Philadelphia Flyers to win. Totally fair. But then again, I don't know if anybody pegged them to beat the LA Kings either. No, the, LA King, the LA Kings are a top 10 team in the league, too. That is fair. Uh, out, of, out of the four wins, that is definitely the strongest win uh, in terms of a strength of schedule perspective. Right. And, and L.A. is a decent team. You know, it's looking like they're going to end up making the playoffs in the West. And I think they're a lot of fun. Philip Deneau is a fun player. They're second in their division. They're in a good spot right now. And the Flyers played a good game. I mean, the, the other thing to kind of keep in mind is... You know, they've played, you know, they beat L.A. L.A., like, two nights later, beat Dallas, who was right up in that ranking. That doesn't mean the Flyers would, but just goes to show you, like, any given night kind of stuff. The Flyers also recently enough have beaten the New Jersey Devils, who are fifth in the league. They've kind of let games get a little lopsided, but then held their own and made them interesting against Toronto a few weeks back, right before the break, and... Against Carolina, they did this. They took Vegas to overtime. Like these are, and that's that's everybody. That's that's practically the entire top seven that I'm talking about. Right. And they've all, you know, ever they've held their own with every single one of those teams. Sure. So that's the one thing I think you can safely say is, regardless of who they're playing, they're a no quit type of team. And they're know, a John it, Tortorella hockey team for right. Sure. But if you wanted, I mean, last year we were sitting here, and this is what you know. I, I was on OMB podcast this week, leading up to the like leading up to our show because we took the handful of weeks off over the break and all that type of yeah. stuff. And I, I believe that they did it like roughly did the same thing, maybe close to. So this was their comeback, like, and also, hey, you know, not only are we back, but we're rapidly approaching the halfway point of the season. Let's talk about it, kind of stuff, and. You know, at the very least, the one thing that they were everybody was been has been able to talk about is at this time last year, we were already, you know, not only were we already down on the season to begin with, like, oh, this season's going nowhere. It was going nowhere and it felt like it had no purpose because there was it was just lifeless. They Fair. didn't they, they barely showed up. The, this is not a team that doesn't show up. I am not at all going to tell you they're going to make the playoffs all of a sudden or something like that. Right. But I'm also not going to tell you that they're going to be the worst team in the league because it's pretty obvious they're not. Right. You it's, know? it's a decent mix of young, hungry, up-and-coming, prospecty type guys who are looking to you know prove that they belong as National League hockey players and older, 
experienced guys who are looking to prove that they still belong, looking to maybe boost some trade value before the deadline, looking to get a next contract, stuff like that. Sure, and you know, you know, look, maybe people don't want to hear this because it is, you know, kind of plays into their favor, if you will, but. They have gotten guys back, and it has made a bit of a difference. Like as yeah. they've gotten a more formidable lineup, as as a Wade Allison comes back and looks the part of a top has nine player for real, really solid. You know, like looks the top the part of a top nine player, or just as just as you're able to move your lines around. You know, the more that Joel Farabee plays, the more he's going to look like he belongs where he's been playing all year. Yep. You know, getting you know, not even getting back like. Sometimes something happens and it allows for a Cam York to come up. And Cam York looks like, you know, if, if he goes anywhere else for the rest of the year, then what are we doing here? Because he clearly looks the part, right? Stuff like that. And and you got to give credit where it's due on the bulk of this stretch of time. You know, it could have been a very different story if things would have gone a little differently. We We go and do our last show before the break. You know, we knew we had kind of three weeks leading up to this. Okay, so they play Columbus and they win the game against Columbus. Fine. Yeah. Kind of expected. Sure. They battle against Toronto. They battle against Carolina. But the Carolina game features an interesting moment because Carter Hart gets hurt. Yes. Not even starting the game. He gets hurt, coming in in relief, ends up leaving the game. And the goalie who was playing that night was Sam Erson. Yep. His debut goes horribly. You know, to that point, he's he's got, he's got to get about as bad as it gets. Well, and it's not his fault, obviously. Right. Like, he's got to get pulled from the game. They've given up five goals. It's not on him per se, but you, it, like you understand how these things are going to look when and you then ha- having you, to when, put that kid back in the game, right? Like when you oh. when well, and you you understand how it's going to look when whenever he would get his next start, if it was to come this year anyway, or even if it doesn't, for that matter, because if it does, then. When you're previewing the game, these are the numbers that are going to show up. And if right. it doesn't, then he's got an entire years, you know, year long stat, stat line. That, line for the that's one game. Season. That's one game. A goals against at that point isn't going to be five. It's going to be something like seven point five because he didn't play more than two periods. And his save percentage was going to be something like for his own sake. You got to get him back on the ice and let him play a real game. <laughs> well, not even that. It just looks terrible. Uh, so he comes back in. And, you know, to his credit, plays well enough at that point that the team starts to come back and he doesn't even become the goalie of record. So he doesn't take the loss in a in a debut where he allowed five goals and got pulled because Hilarious. he comes back into the and came back into the game and finished. And he's still not the goalie of record. And if they had done any more scoring, he would have been in line for the W. Potentially. Yeah, it's it's crazy. And then, you know, he then he gets the entire, you know, and, I, and we're going to talk about Hart a little bit more later in the show because obviously it's it's probably the one thing over the entire last three weeks that we can be the most critical about when it comes to the Flyers because the handling of, of that was confusing to say the least, but. Wait, not- are you saying, are you saying that there's a fly, a confusing story surrounding a medical issue with a Philadelphia Flyer. Absolutely. I they am. would never do that. We've never had confusing or conflicting reports about injuries in the Philadelphia Flyers organization. But I no, but I do think this one's glossed over a lot more. Like, as much as it was something we were trying to make a big, like... A hey, lot listen, of it is... hid over the Christmas break. No, that's not even the reason. It's if, if he's not able to play because of whatever happens, and then you start to talk about when he could come back, and... 
because there's ever it's everything around his injury. It's how he ended up getting hurt. Then after after the how, it's well. Truthfully, and I felt this way from the beginning. What was the worst that could happen? Okay, <laughs> oh, no, no, no. In terms of he got hurt. It's the last game before a break, so you can't do anything about it for three days. Right. Take the three days. Come back. What's the worst that could happen if you come back? It's not the worst injury, so maybe he doesn't play on the road trip that they have, but it's three games scattered out over almost a week and a half. Right. That's not horrendous. This is not Sean Couturier hurt himself before training camp, and oh, by the way, you won't see him until March. Here's right? the thing. Right. Here's the thing, though, with this team, I'm so scared. Oh, you can still disagree, by the way. Like, right. You agree with the hand. And I, I, well, I even disagree with the fact that it's not that big a deal. Like, I, I hear the phrase concussion and what's the worst that can happen, and I'd like to introduce you to a man named Eric Lindros. Okay, that's that's not what I mean by that, though. Well, like, I just I just mean in terms of how even how the team handles it. Well, but that's beside the point. Like my my point was is there's if if the worst thing that you can come back with is we it's been three days since the holiday break, the right. first day back, he's not able to practice right now, which means he's not going on the trip, which means. We're going to wait it out, and that gives us another week. In a week, we'll come back. We'll see how it goes, you yeah. know? But but at least during the course of that week, if they would have had to come right out and say, like, th- that's because that's what it turned out to be. Let's be clear about that. If they would have turned around on the Tuesday they come back to practice and say, he's not practicing right now, or maybe he even is, but it's, we can't take him on the trip because we don't want to mishandle this situation. It is concussion protocol. Well, then I, I, he's, he's not going on a trip. Then you take him out of play right. for three games, but at least it was only three games. And the span right. of time between that and the next home game was over a week. Well, it's way I, less urgent than a, we got right. five games in the next 10 days and we are going to try to squeeze this guy in there. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree. And I believe if I recall correctly, I believe he was cleared kind of right away Tuesday morning when like as the team was coming home to Philadelphia so I believe he was clear for kind of two full days before that game. Oh, he was cl- no, he was cleared long before then. Actually. Oh, was it before he was, that? Okay, he he was cleared before the end of the road trip. Okay, and okay. and the uh, and they just didn't activate him and didn't do anything because, again, to Erson's credit, you go on the road, you're being told kind of in a way, this is your road trip, right? Well, I don't know about that completely. Like if if San Jose goes. Pretty San rough. Jose shells them. Yeah, that's fair. Right. Well, they, like then I don't know. They were giving him another chance because it was we didn't play well enough in front of him in Carolina. Let's see what happens this time. And that that's that's the thing about like and, and I described this road trip. You know, all three games were a little different. First game, they're not actually play. It's not that they're not playing poorly, but they're about they're they're in a position to lose a game. Right. Three one early third period, and they get themselves back into the game. And they tie it up with just over two minutes left. And then they finally win a game in overtime. And it actually almost and it almost actually got lost in the game that, oh, by the way, as soon as the overtime goal is scored, you you had it it took a second before it kind of registered. Like, wait, that's Harrison's first win. Like, you know, forget the fact that it was three one 30 minutes ago. Right. We got this to the W. Right. He just got a win. Okay. And then they find a way to win in LA. And you're like, okay. And it's this and it's Arison again. And you're like, okay. So they give him the start against Anaheim. And he damn near pulls a shutout. 
you know, he was 40 seconds away from a shutout and three straight wins to start his career. Yep. And it's created an interesting dynamic to the goaltending now. Because what do you, you know, now you're coming home, you go, what do you do? Carter Hart's ready. And 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 let's let's be clear. Carter Hart was cleared prior to that game in Anaheim. Could have played then. And Tortorella said, no, I'm not doing like basically just right. now didn't didn't give an explanation, obviously, because let's be real, it's John Tortorella and he's he not gonna give to. you every he doesn't have to. Sometimes <laughs> he doesn't want to. But often he doesn't want to. But the only no if in fairness, the only thing that was weird was he wasn't activated. That was about the only thing that was weird. I actually kind of understood the, you know what, I'm making a choice. Carter could have gone if I, we wanted him to, but I'm putting Nurson back in. Ride the he'll hot start. Hand. He'll start. Carter will sit on the bench. They didn't. They just didn't even activate him because they put Hart on IR before right. trip began. And, and I guess in that sense, it made it easy because when they did activate Hart formally, then now you're going to sit there and probably ask yourself, especially if you know we've gone to this point in talking about this. So what's the deal with Felix Sandstrom? You know, <sighs> yeah. He, he's well, in the he's in the mystery pit with Ryan Ellis. Well, and no, he's not. He really actually isn't. Cam because, Atkinson. Because because the first part of the problem was, and I believe that this was around. It was actually right around the time it was post, uh, post Columbus game. So they played their last home game of 2022, with everything the way it was, and they get ready to go on a trip, and they tell you Sandstrom's sick. There's, you know, there's a bug that's going around, so he's sick. He's not going on the road trip, so no Toronto, no Carolina, and Urson's called up. And my honest first belief was, okay, he's called up, but Carter's going to get these two games because that Toronto game's at a weird 2 o'clock time. They'll treat it like a 1 o'clock on a Saturday and a 7 o'clock the next night and right. say you can still play both, and we won't see him. So I was actually kind of surprised they gave him the Carolina game to begin with. That's fair. And then when he comes back... He's able to back up because or when or when they come back, the team does. He's able to back up because Carter's now hurt. Right. OK, fine. So he backs up in San Jose and, and the reasoning is fine. I want to see Urson one more time. I want to see if we can play better in front of him because he really came back. In. And look, the thing that was imp probably most impressive was exactly the part that you're talking about. The you throw him back into his debut. It's already not going well. And goalies are notoriously fragile head cases. Right. So he gets thrown back into the yep. game and plays flawlessly the rest of the way from yeah. the time he comes back. And then, okay, so now you're sitting here saying, let's do better this time. Let's give him a better performance and see if he can maybe position himself to win a game. Right. And then and then he wins that game. And he is definitely a big reason for it because he played well. He played really well. And then really well. So what do you do kind of naturally off of that? You say, sure, he's getting the next one too. As long as, you know, since Carter wasn't ready to come back at that Why point, not? he gets the next one too. And it, it, this time it was probably a, the exact situation where you would have hoped that Hart was back because – it's not the San Jose Sharks. It's the L.A. Kings. Yep. And you saw what happened when they played Carolina. And it was a guy who had never played in an NHL game before. Right. And he goes out there and has another one of those games. You know, especially when you're playing in a third period of a tie game. Whoever scores the next one, obviously, is getting an edge. And lo and behold, he makes 11 saves. You score a shorthanded goal. And you win again. Here we are. Yep. So he gets to start in Anaheim. And again, and again, same thing. Like they, Now, they outplayed Anaheim way more, and 
the only thing that was probably disappointing was, you know, he really stood in there in the second period against Anaheim. And then in the third period, as, as the game is put away, as, as it's very obvious they're going to win, he's closed in on a shutout and he gets to the final minute and gives up. Probably it was the last shot he faced, I think. And it, it happens. They were buzzing. You could kind of see it. Got to be disappointing team, for him. But. but as the team comes home, you're sitting there going, okay, so Erson's played well enough to stay. It like absolutely as much as you could understand why he'd be sent down because this is not really his place. Let's not also kid ourselves about the kid just doubled your win total on the seat, you know, over the last two months. Well, I was going to go even a little bit of a <laughs> you're right, but I'm going to go a different direction with it. It's here. He's made four starts and he's got three wins. Yeah. And, Felix, and Felix Sandstrom has played in 10 games and he's got one win. Right. Like, like and that's not. Against Felix Sandstrom, And Felix Sandstrom has looked really good on occasion. Right. But you can't deny what the record is. Like, But it puts you in a tough spot because Felix Sandstrom has played well enough, even for the record, and even for some of the numbers being, you know, the lower end of things. The goals against is above three. The save percentage is lower than 900. That kind of doesn't – it still would be a situation where you don't want to just sit there and go – well, let's try to pass him through waivers because if any team's got a goalie injury, they're going after it. Well, that's what I was just about to ask is can Felix Sandstrom would have to pass through waivers. Would, and er, and Erson does not. Erson does not. Okay. I think that's the difference maker. Um, unless there's a trade, which I don't necessarily think there will be, especially during the season. I think... I think it's got to be Urshan going down. And and again, well, I, don't, I don't necessarily think that that should be the case. And obviously we have to wait until Sandstrom shows back up. But I think it's the waiver thing that makes the difference. It And it could. The thing that the Flyers have done to kind of just kick it down the road a little bit is Sandstrom. And, he had, and, and to his credit, he had to accept this. Took a conditioning okay. stint with the Phantoms. Okay. Because... In fairness to him, when was the last time that Felix Sandstrom played a game? That is fair. So we we talked and, about that on the show that Carter Hart was getting a lot of the workload. I believe the last time that Sandstrom played may have been like the Colorado game or something, <sighs> like on the road. Yeah, that may have been it because if I'm if I remember correctly, I believe Carter had Carter definitely had the New Jersey game. Uh, I believe he had the Ranger game that they lost, and then I'm positive he had the uh, yeah he had the Columbus game, and then he was gonna take over and do you know because then then Sandstrom was sick right by that point. So when when Sandstrom's sick and Carter Hart's going, gonna play everything. Well, not only that, but well, no, because he didn't because then they gave Harrison a start in that time, and then oh, it right, just right, so right. happened that by like by that point, Carter Hart got hurt coming in in relief and. Well, and and that's it. Kind of in a way, that's this is Arison running with an opportunity because if Hart doesn't get hurt and it's a one game start and it goes the way that it does, they probably send him right they back probably, down. Yep. Because then Carter's able to play. Sandstrom's back from being sick, and they say we got to go on the road trip. The fact Carter will got, probably get all three games, and that would have been the end of that, right? The fact that he got a little bit of an extended look probably uh, probably gave him the shot. Sure, and, and, and the thing is is that, and, and this is where this comes into play, Arison's getting at least two starts during the two weeks. Right. Because, at, like, as you mentioned, we're recording on the on the, de- the morning of the Toronto game, which right. I'm certain will be Carter's at this yeah, point. Yeah, yeah. 
and you'll Ur- give Erson Ar- probably starts in Buffalo tomorrow. Right, though, and you'll right? give Erson the Buffalo game, and then I can picture the same thing the following week. Carter will probably play in in Boston against the top team in the league. Oof. Well, and well, and he, no, actually, it lines. I as, no, I know it sounds rough, but at the same time, you're also giving Erson probably at that point a start. First of all, a start at home, which he has not had yet, and a start against the team that he nearly shut out three weeks earlier. Why is that game at or two weeks? One o'clock. That Boston game is at one o'clock. It's it's Martin Luther King Day. Oh, that's so, fair. so everybody. <laughs> most people are not. That's that's why they right. Did. Turns out retail doesn't get that day off. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, the- but, but the I, like it, I but I'm with like I'm with you on some of the weird times because like it was um what would they call it next gen day I think is what it was called for Toronto. Toronto. And they've got a, and they've got a four o'clock game on a Monday in February. Now it would actually even make more sense if it was in Philadelphia because you could sit there and say, okay, it's President's Day. Maybe you know four o'clock. It's like late afternoon. It's not really it's a day in that Calgary. Ever, right, it's not really a day where it gets up, but it's in Calgary, and that's not a Canadian holiday. So kind of what it's exactly weird. is going on there? Yeah. You know? Hey. Hey, Calgarians, it's a one o'clock game. Are you going to show up in the middle of this day that you have work? Look, I could look it up and find out that there is something. It that, might that, be that like act- one of their extended bank holiday weekends. It could be. Videos. I have no yeah. clue. But that's lucky. Luckily, that's the last like really weird one. Um, but uh, anyway, we're talking about the goalie starts coming up. But I see um, no. I see Arison getting that Anaheim game because why? Why wouldn't you? You're gonna play him like against a team he's already faced. That's fair. I didn't and, know and, and played well against. I didn't know if there was any merit to kind of throwing him to the wolves in Boston and just trying to get two points out of Anaheim because you're not gonna beat Boston anyway. I don't know, and and I'm curious to see. You know, like 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 I said, I have no doubt in my mind that Hart probably gets the Toronto game and Arison gets the Buffalo game or something like that. Yeah, but. You kind of face the like. Do you split them against Washington? By the way, mark it here first. If Carter Hart starts that Boston game, the Flyers win. We'll be back next week to talk about it, and we'll, we might have a better idea of who's starting on that on that Monday. If Carter Hart starts that game, he makes four hundred and seventeen saves, and they win it. I don't know. Yep. You know, here's the thing: the what what you said wouldn't surprise me. I'm not expecting it because I don't know how much around the NHL we're going to talk as the show goes on today. That's fair. But that is – I was looking at something with them, the other – meaning Boston, the other day. Boston's ridiculous. And we are looking at something that is rare. They're 31-4-4. Four and four. We're looking at something that's incredibly it's rare. It's freaking January. They have four regulation losses. It's – January, insane. That Ridiculous. wasn't even no, that wasn't even where I was going. Where I was going to go with it? Like I hear you with the four regulation losses thing. I look at a different no. I look at a different number. They've got thirty nine games played. They are too shy of the halfway mark of the yeah. season. They have lost eight total that, games. That's yes. The second place team in the league is the Carolina Hurricanes. They've lost eight games in regulation. Correct. And then seven more in overtime. They have and, and, seven and oh, more losses way, than the Boston Bruins. And oh, by the way, the Bruins' next two games to get to halfway are Anaheim and Seattle. They are winning <laughs> at least one. Well, probably, yeah. 
Um, Seattle's been feisty. Seattle. Seattle's a good team. Seattle went into Toronto and beat beat up Toronto five to one. And who did Seattle beat last night? Seattle put up eight against somebody. uh, Yeah, I think Ottawa, which isn't as big of a deal, but. But listen, you're still putting up eight goals. Like, that's not. They're a very surprising team this year. Yeah. And then it's interesting because they're not. Dave Hackstall, baby. They're not top 10 actively. Like, they've, they've hovered. I think they have been for stretches. Because it's, it's games played. Like, yeah. it, it, it's weird. Like We're in that weird stage of the schedule where everyone's um, numbers are different. Because who did Boston play last night? They played um one of the – they were on the West Coast. San Jose, I guess. Because the, the, they played L.A. earlier in the week, too, and they won, right? Yeah. Okay. So, But that's the thing. Like, So Boston beats a team like L.A. That was – L.A.'s now played 43 games this year. Wow. Boston's only played 39. Like yep. – the, the lopsided nature of which a team at this stage of the season has played, you know, some are at halfway, some are not. Well, and like, as we as we talked about before the show, the Flyers have 12 games over the next three weeks. So, like, well, they're sitting so, at 39 right now. Yep. So, well, and well, they're about to play a lot of hockey. Well, it wasn't in fairness to them. It wasn't supposed to be 12. It was supposed to be 11. That Buffalo game on Monday night. Oh, was right, not right. originally there. They had to move something for the snowstorm that was up there and. Right, right, right. They moved right, right. the game around for that, so they had to change some stuff. It was just, yeah, it's so it's a bit of a mess. I mean, look, the NHL all, has gotten really good at rejiggling the schedule the last let, couple let, of years. Like, let's bring it back to the four-game winning streak for a second yeah, with this. Yeah. No, because let's just be clear: they're still nine points out of a playoff spot, and still, I mean, not we're it's it's farther to the bottom, but like Chuck Fletcher's ears just part only nine points. They're also nine points away from being tied with Anaheim. <laughs> Who know, is it, abysmal. Right. But but I'm not sure. Like, my point being, they're not exactly going to just jump and make the playoffs here. So as far as I'm concerned, I don't mind moving a game that was supposed to, I think, be in March up to January and saying, let's just get it out of the way. Yep. Although although I, I, I probably wouldn't be saying the same if I was talking about this from a Buffalo perspective because <laughs> – because that is a team that actually is clawing their way around and like very actively in the playoff race. Buffalo's not done. Buffalo has games to play and has a margin that is like manageable. Like for not being a playoff team, they are very much in the discussion. Hear me out here. Okay. Carter Hart to Buffalo. No, but okay, cuz it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen in season. Okay, maybe in the off season. Well, and here's here's why I say that because quite frankly, they probably have the cap face and the assets to make it happen in season if they really want well, to. Well, because here's here's the questions that you start asking yourself. The once we get past like, and this ties back to what we were just talking about. Once you get past that Boston Anaheim double head, like or back to back, what um, you know what happens next because the conditioning time is going to run out. Right. Now, what do you do with Sandstrom? Do you try to pass him through waivers then, or do you bring him back up? It seems like, and I and I would totally get this. I've heard that they like they like what Arison's done. They want to keep him up there. And and to be honest, if most teams had the situation of Carter Hart's approaching being a 24, 25 year old veteran, you know, he's right in that. <laughs> yeah. You know, he's because because well, we can't deny how long he's played in the league. He's right. Played, he's is, he's making big boy money. He's uh and he's played almost all of it at the a, NHL. He's level. an established number one goaltender yeah. because of you know between service time and games played and certainly at least this season performance yep you know 
based on his own individual numbers, by the way, not necessarily the win-loss record. Of course. Um, but if you turn around and said, listen, with a team that, that's lost as much as the Flyers have, they've got a starting goaltender who's played a lot, who has a 286 goals against and a 911 save percentage, most teams would sit there and say, Any I can probably year. make that a little no, but I can make that a little better and you know, get that like if you can get that goals against down to like 270, maybe into the 260s, and the save percentage jumps up by another five to ten points, you've got an elite goaltender. And by the way, those are numbers in a year where save percentages are down, goal scoring is up, goals against is up. Right. Like scoring numbers are up. So the fact that he has these numbers, which are already fine, right, on a bad team in a year where scoring is up. Carter Hart what, has been impressive, and it's what makes what it's it's also what makes what Arison's done impressive because Absolutely. that first that first game was five goals allowed in forty seven minutes, which means it's not a five goals against it's it's more. It was like right. it's six it's at least quarter, it's at least yeah. six something, maybe pushing seven. His save percentage, truthfully, because there's no changing that, it's just based on shots faced, was eight thirty three. Since then, with the three starts he's made and one, the goals against dropped to 290 and the save percentage is up to 905. He's that's respectable. Right. Especially with that bad first game. Like right. You, that's very respectable. Yep. Spectacular. Um, Great turnaround out of him. Right. So, but that, that I, but th- now you're in a position where you want to see more of Urson. You definitely don't want to give, you know, you're not doing anything with Carter Hart now, but you do face a decision if you get, like, if you get to the offseason, who do you want to have more? Potentially. Okay, you but know, you, 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 say, just... you say you're not moving Carter Hart now, but why not? If Buffalo calls and asks, why not? Because I don't think any team is asking in the middle of a season. Especially for where no, especially for where Carter is in his contract. I think if you look at where where Buffalo is, they're in a bit of a hot streak now. They've been bad. Okay, do you remember a couple years ago when Duchesne and Panarin were on their and, and Bobrovsky were all on their last years in Columbus and Yarmo Kekalainen basically came out and said, We owe it to our fans to go for this. Like, we might not re-sign these guys, but like we owe it to our fans to go for it. Right. I wonder if something similar happens in Buffalo. If they say, you know, it's been a bad decade. You know, we haven't made the playoffs in forever. People are mad. You know, we finally have a fun team. We have Rasmus Dahlin. We have Owen Power. We have Tage Thompson, who's turning into a superstar. Let's support them. And, oh, by the way, it's a young, team-controlled goalie who's already proven himself at the NHL level. You know what I mean? It it, it just feels like a pretty low-risk proposition if you're going for it as the Buffalo Sabres. I hear you. There's now, now granted, I, I think one thing I do think also, by the way, is that Buffalo does have a goaltender that I think they can build around. Cause I think Uko Pekka Lukanen is, that is fair, is, is in the same position. Like they're almost playing with this the way that the Flyers had to when Hart kind of came up, where it's like, well, listen, if he keeps being good, maybe we, maybe we just have the player, you know, and we right. don't have to do anything. But that's fair, you know, and, for Carter, it's going to be a tough kind of thing. Like, he's clearly established enough that he doesn't need to, you know, like he doesn't need to go to a team where he's part of a clear cut tandem. Like, he can be a number one. Right. 
Exactly. That's all I'm trying to get at. So, And for the record, I I don't think they're going to trade him, quite frankly. I think they're going to do what they can to keep him through whatever the rebuild ends up looking like. Well, I think for, I think for now, but right, but that can always change. Well, you're you're still entering an area of uh, you're still entering a very critical situation because, you know, he yes, he's an RFA still, but he may be able to start to assert some control of his own situation. Yes. You know, well, because you're start talking about you know, buying UFA years now. Well, well, I'm not, no, I'm not. I'm talking about that as next year a contract year plays itself out he may start to be able to control his situation and say, you know, I want out trade me at the deadline. Right. You know, All right, if, that's if, what I'm saying. Yeah. You know, cause you know, maybe that's the case. Maybe next, you know, you know, maybe that goaltending question isn't one that gets answered this season. Maybe it's one that you go into next season with and it's, you know, and it's Hart and Erson are the two guys who from day one are up, Well, you know, like, and I, I said this earlier this week, this isn't the last you've seen of, uh, you know, it wouldn't have been the last you've seen of Arison either way. And I don't Absolutely think it's the last, not. and I don't think it's the last you've seen of Sandstrom either. No. If he goes, if he goes down, because I feel like at some point in time, somebody's going to be hurt and, and, and listen, who knows? Maybe the goalie who does get hurt is Arison. Who's had injury trouble before. Right. Maybe he's the guy who gets hurt. And all of a sudden you sit there and you say, well, no, that makes Carter Hart, the more attractive guy, because it's more infrequent. He's had some, no, like the last two years, he had injuries that ended the season. But I also think that you were, being calculated with that approach it didn't have to end the season but we you know what we're done so so we're making him done i don't know i'm sure carter hart was hurt at the time but i think if the team was in playoff situations it would have been a different story in terms of how his return was handled i agree with you there um but yeah it's it's crazy. If I told you 10 years ago that the Flyers had three good young goalies and couldn't figure out who to juggle, couldn't figure out who to send down, you would not have believed me. Right. We're talking the era where they just traded Bobrovsky away. They're they're scrambling to find, you know, Brzgalov's falling off a cliff. They end up with Steve Mason. Like, come on, man. Sure. <laughs> and, and while we're on the goaltender subject, by the way, you know, Again, we're recording Sunday morning ahead of that Leafs game. Carter Hart is confirmed to start against Toronto. Okay. So there you go. Starter Hart. There it is. So there you go. You in, in, in the least surprising news of the day because it, absolutely. You know, but but it, it, it obviously they've kept Erson right now to play on occasion. So I, I'd be stunned if I he doesn't play against play Buffalo. Yeah, I'd be stunned. Man, and Buffalo. I know we're, we we ch- chatted about him a little bit here, but they are coming. They're having a good. I mean, did you see the Rasmus Dahlin toe drag from the other night? No, I didn't because I'm I'm guessing that was the Saturday game. I believe so. Yeah, yeah. I was I was was out for most of Saturday, so I didn't really get to watch much. Oh, it was nasty. He just toe dragged across the entire slot. He scored two goals, right? They were talking about the game tonight. He scored two against Uh, Minnesota, so it was one of the two, right? It has to be. Uh, yeah, I believe it was the first one. Right, because they came back and they won that game in overtime. They were three minutes away from losing, something like that. And Darlene scored his second, tied the game, and they won in overtime. It's impressive okay. stuff. Like it's I impressive said, stuff. they're coming. I'm looking at the Atlantic Division standings. They're seven points behind Tampa with a game in hand. 
Well, was there no more of a better indication of like the buff, like the Buffalo Sabers are kind of like kind of mean business any more than than the night that so clearly like everybody they're playing in Washington, all eyes are on like Ovechkin's got two and a game's going to overtime and oh by the way Tage Thompson has two more as well and guess who finished the hat trick? Guess who finished it wasn't the hat. guy with eight hundred and nine goals or nope. whatever his number is. And by the way, Buffalo four points out of a wild card spot. With four games in hand, it's very it's very doable. And the and Buffalo Sabers are in the playoff race officially. Yep. I think that there are. And we again, we can talk more about this like over the whole thing. I mean, like maybe we'll push this down the line for a second because okay. we're, gonna, we're getting off of our Flyers topics. Yeah, so we can yeah. probably finish those up in another ten minutes because we've covered everything that happened on the win streak. We kind of already taken the look ahead with. We even talked game. about the games before uh, before Christmas. <laughs> a little, yeah, we did. And and listen, I want to bring up kind of bring up the heart thing again because this okay. was the because it's the confusion of it. Like this is where the messaging thing comes in because this is, and this is the only thing I disagree with about the whole thing. The fact that he didn't play in three games doesn't bother me any. It's fine. You're like correct. You want to do this right, and I even appreciate the fact that he was cleared. And then still didn't play a game and you waited to activate him. He got two extra days. They, by the way, here's another interesting part about this, that, that whole thing leading up to they played in Anaheim. They didn't activate him. They activated him the day after when they got back from the trip, which, okay, it makes sense. It was a non-practice day. And then they didn't practice the next day either. They took two days off, came back, took a morning skate on the day of the game against Arizona, won the game with Carter and goal took the next day off and practiced Saturday and had Sunday usual, you know, morning skate again. Right. But it was the way that it was, you know, obviously when he comes out of the game against Carolina, you're going to just go into the break. Well, but no, but there's nothing you're going to say. There's nothing you can do. Like they weren't going to come back on Christmas Eve when the league is completely off and say, well, we have an update for you now. Like, hey, Merry you know. Christmas. Carter Hart's out for two weeks. Right. Right. No, they're going to just let it go. Right? right. So Saturday, Sunday, Monday comes and goes. Nobody plays a game because there's no games on period league wide. And everybody starts to come back on Tuesday. And he's practiced like he's practicing. They tell us he like you, you get enough information that he's in protocol. He's practicing. And there's there ended up being a I'm trying to remember exactly what what happened in order because it, where it got confusing because I think it was I don't know if IR was ever mentioned okay but it was I think that that was the time frame of there you know Anthony Sanfilippo had a report out about he's not going on the trip right which means he'll miss three games right okay fine. But then he's practicing. And then Tortorella says, he's, you know, I'm, I was playing Urson on Thursday anyway, but he'll go on a trip and he's expected to start the last or something like that. I'm trying to remember, like, this is where it gets confusing because he was there. He was out there on Tuesday to practice and looked okay, but obviously was not still in protocol. Still, right. you know, was not available. Right. And within, you know, within the span of 24 hours, Tortorella, uh, oh, you know what it was on Tuesday? He practices, and Tortorella said he's good to go. That's okay. what it was. Right, 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 right. And we, and there's a report out from San Filippo that says he's not going to play on the he's road trip. He's not good to go. Well, or no, that he's not good. Not only is he not good to go, he's not going to play on the road trip, and he's not going to even travel. Okay. Then the next day comes, 
you know, or you know, I, or that was out there. The, I think that was out there before the practice, so that everybody sees him practice. Like, uh, okay, and Tortorella says he's good to go. All right, whatever. The next morning, he's on IR before practice starts, <laughs> and everybody goes, "Oh, okay." So I guess he's not playing against you know against San Jose the next night. Right. Okay. So what's the deal with that? And that's where like so again, I think this is where, that might be where the report came from at that okay. point. Like the good to go thing was good to go. He ends up on IR and everybody's going, "So what what happened to good to go?" And then that's where the report came from where it's like, "Okay, he's not good to go. He's not going to play on the road trip. He's not even going to go on the road trip." And within the hour, John Tortorella comes back out and says, no, he's going on the road trip. I was going to play Urson anyway on Thursday, so that's not a big deal. And he's expected to play, you know, I expect him to be back for the last two of the road trip. And he, okay. he would start the and he would start the last two of the road trip. I had because I had people retweeting me or quote tweeting me when he didn't start against LA because I because again this has nothing to do with I understand that I understand what the injury is and I understand that concussions are unpredictable and you've got to treat them carefully. That's right. not what I'm I'm about with this. My point was is you had every reason to just you, you want to make it easy on yourselves from a PR and messaging standpoint. Just come out the day he ended up on IR and say he's not going on the trip. Right. You just bought yourself a week. For a you're, week, you don't have to talk about this. You'll see right. you, because it's an easy. It's really easy. Two he's sentences. Not going, he's not going on the he, trip. We'll right. reevaluate when we get back to Philadelphia. Boom. Done. Done. Exactly. All you had to come out and say is he was placed on IR this morning. We, you know, we hoped he was he'd be good to go. He's not. Out of as a precaution, we're keeping him home. We're not even taking him on the trip, so he'll miss the three games. And when we get back, we'll, we'll have figure it out. We'll yep. have an update when we get back. And and then he could have played against Arizona and it would have been right on the money. Yep. Instead, you like, and this is where this was what my point was. It has nothing to do with he wasn't ready to play or cle- hadn't cleared protocol by Saturday against LA. That was not the point of what I was trying to say. What I was trying to get at was is why did you let your head coach, who's the only person who comes forward and addresses the media with any information about this type of stuff? Why did you even let him say he may be ready? Right. Why do you even put an expectation on it? Y- you want to save yourself some expectation? You like your expectation could have been he's not going to play for three games, and we'll have an update when we get back. Then the expectation isn't that he's even going to play against Arizona. It's we'll have an update before that game. Right. That's easy to meet. That's an easy expectation to meet. You go sure. play your three games on the road. Nobody talks about Carter Hart. And he, you, you, you know, can focus and, on the three games in front of you. And you could very well come back and say, "Listen, we hope to have a more we hoped to have a more positive update." But he's not going to be ready for Arizona either. Right. So we're going to continue to monitor day to day. We only have one game on the road for the next week. We'll see where it goes. So yep. he could play at any point in time over that stretch. But for now, we stay on an IR. Again, done deal. End of story. But they had to complicate it by putting an estimate on. Well, he's expected to play the last two games of the road trip. So why just you know, like so why just say it if it wasn't gonna happen? Right. Like Tortorella got lucky in the sense that he was able to hide behind the performance of Urson. Like in a sense of well, I wanted to give him another look anyway to see if he was gonna be, you know, to see him play better. You know, we didn't play well enough in front of him the first time, and he really showed me something in the third period having to come back into the game. That's all fair stuff, but 
you kind of hid behind after saying he was good, Hart was good to go the day before. Well, it didn't matter anyway. I wasn't starting him against San Jose anyway. Right. Well, okay, but we didn't know that 24 hours earlier. And, <laughs> right. and, and like, oh, how convenient for you that he still expected to play those last two games. Well, you know. And the good news is, as we sit here again recording on Sunday morning, he played against Arizona Thursday. No real issues. Cleared right. to, you know, cleared no, to I'm, start it, against it, Toronto only, on Sunday night. All good the, news. The only issue he had on Thursday was there was definitely a little rust factor coming. Sure, and from missing two weeks, but right, you're looking at two weeks off. You know, pro- he might have had you know an extra turkey burger or something at some point. You know, I know the kid's disciplined, but he warmed up by the time the third period rolled around. Like the first couple, of pe- he didn't get a lot of action in the first period. That didn't help. I believe it was really early second period. He gave up the second goal. Oh, he better be sharp right off the bat tonight. Toronto's no joke. Well, I, no, I I think that he, look, there's no better to me. There was no better way to get him warmed back up than play Arizona. So for sure, you know, now I think he's a, he should be in a good spot and ready to go. We'll see how it goes, but. That was I, I just want to also like make it clear that I like my whole point with him not playing on the road trip had nothing to do with like, oh, gee, you know, they said like they said he would play. No, my point is don't put expectations on an injury that doesn't have a timeline. You know, right. Fair enough. Like, you know, and why and why you even let the coach say anything along the lines of, well, it, here's an expectation. You, Why you, you think, would even allow that? You think people let John Tortorella say stuff? <laughs> no, my point my point was is that you can why would Tortorella be asked the question about Carter Hart's health right. if Chuck Fletcher steps forward and says, "Listen, he's not going on the road trip and we're going to take care of this." Or, "Look, it's a day-to-day thing. He's able like give more of an explanation because basically here's the thing. You took a guy with a concussion Put him on an airplane for six hours to fly to the West Coast to not play a game. Right. Because he was never out of the protocol until the last day that you were there to play a game. And by that point, you just said, you know what? Screw it. We're just going to. We're going to ride the kid who's playing well. And that can be a coach's decision. I get that. But you could have avoided the coach who sometimes doesn't seem like he knows exactly what, you know, what information. Like. Tortorella kind of does things in a it's not to say that he does things in an unorthodox way or does things in a different way as a coach. It's just I think I think he does them in a different order sometimes like like it, it, it kind of like even falls into, you know, post game. We talk to him first, not the players. Right. Um, he like not, not like I think that he sometimes like doesn't have answers to questions because. Maybe at the time he's addressing the media following a practice or on a day of a morning skate or whatever it may be, he's talking to the media almost first thing. And then it's like, oh, yeah, and then I'm having – like, then we'll meet with the trainers. Then we'll do – like, then we're going to have our meetings with the players. Like, you know, whatever the case. You know what I mean? Like, it almost sounds like sometimes we get Tortorella to talk before certain things happen where you have the answers. So like he may sit there and go, I don't know. I haven't talked to the trainers yet, but I like my impression is, I wonder like, if that's on purpose. Maybe it is, but I think that that's where that deniability. I, I think it doesn't matter because I think when it comes, especially when it comes to the health of a player, that's probably more the responsibility of the president of hockey operations to tell you who's available. That's fair. The coach can sit there and say, I was going to start this goalie anyway, or give the last start, you know, even though 
like, hey, Carter's cleared. I can tell you that, but he's not going to play because I want Urson to go. That's all well and good. Like, you can do that as a coach. Who cares? But I think that I think that's where you need needed the operations department to step up and and just address the an injury to your best player all season. This organization really puts the fun in dysfunctional, don't they? I think they do as long as they continue to employ the people that they have. Let's be real. I mean, it's it's, it's not the fir- it's not the first time it's happened. It's not the first time, it's and that's happened. why it's not a surprise. Nope. Like I I just don't get that was the part that I didn't get the whole time was. Just find an easy way to do this. Like, it shouldn't be complicated. Even Tortorella has – you can make sure that Tortorella walks into that press conference with he's not traveling. Right. Done deal. End of story. We'll talk about this again. Like, because like, Tortorella can then kind of do his usual thing when it comes to the media and and basically even say, I just told you he's not going on the trip. Don't ask me about him for the next week. We'll right. tell you – like, we'll update you when we get back. Everything else from here should be about who's going on the trip. And, and he can pl- and he has and then he has the right to play that card because he just gave you an answer that should suffice. Right. Carter Hart is out for a week, missing the next three games, not traveling. Done deal, end of story. Do not ask any more questions about Carter Hart. But but instead you open the door to asking more questions about Carter Hart because by playing the last game. Oh no, right. you said I expect him to start the last two yep. games of the road trip. Don't say that if you don't, you know, want it to be a big talking point. When he doesn't, right. All right, speaking of big talking points, uh, Kevin, when uh, if you had an all-star ballot, who would, you, <laughs> who would you give it to on the Philadelphia Flyers? Yeah, not the guy who ultimately got it. I understand I understand elements of why Kevin Hayes is going to the all-star game. Uh, Mr. Healthy Scratch himself. Well, I'll talk about that in a second because I think there's a, you know, I, uh, there was a lot of speculation that this could be, there's a reasoning behind this. And... Look, if you're picking a pl- if you're trying to pick the best player who you should send to the All-Star game from the Philadelphia Flyers, the correct answer it's is Carter Travis Connect. No, it's Travis Connectney. Oh, okay. Fair enough. Carter Hart, here's the reason why it wouldn't be Carter Hart. You're only sending they're only going to name one goaltender to the roster and then the rest is fan vote. Okay. And to me, you put you have a better shot in the fan vote. No, it's 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 not that. It's I don't think Hart would make it, period, because I think that there's too many teams that are more successful and more in the spotlight okay. who, who fans would say that goalie is among the better. And, like, right. Igor Shesterkin beats out Carter Hart every single time. Probably. Even, even if Hart's got slightly better numbers than Shesterkin does, which he doesn't right now. But, like, beginning of the year, he did, uh, right? Shesterkin won the Vezina. Like, yeah, I get it. Totally. Right. So you, Absolutely. You're, take, you're taking a guy from one of the better teams in the league for star power, you know? And the Rangers aren't like lighting it up by any stretch, but they're comfortably in a playoff spot at the moment. Right. You take you take one of those guys. I look at the rest of the Metro and I go, I don't know if there's a goalie for Carolina who stayed healthy enough to do it. Certainly not. A, you know, certainly not anybody from. I mean, Vanacek's had a nice year for New Jersey, but I don't know if he would have brought in the like the name recognition yet. Um, right. The goalie who I think probably beats out Hart outside of Shesterkin probably is Ilya Sorokin. That's who I fair. think has had a really good year and has the numbers to back it up. Right. I just, and I think that, you know, you know what? Maybe Hart's the right answer three weeks ago. Konechny's had such a run right now. He's and, very and, hot right now. And brought his numbers up to such a respectable place among others. Like, he's got better numbers this year than I think, like, than Braden Point does and then Matthew Barzell does, I think, and stuff like that. It's like, and you're like, you know what? 
that's all-star worthy then. Like, you're beating out guys on teams that we know are really good players. Sure. And you've and you've got the goal totals to to make it work. Like, I like I want to be clear about something. Like, go look at the you know Travis Konechny is tied for 16th in goals this season. With, in the entire with league, me. like that's... in the entire league with you know. And oh, by the way, you know who else has 20 goals on the season at the same time that Konechny does? I'm looking at the same list you are. It's a pretty. He's in pretty good company. Yeah, he's on the same. He's tied with Matthew Kachuk and Sidney Crosby and Zach Hyman, who plays with Connor McDavid, by the way. And oh, by the way, you know who he has more goals than? Austin Matthews. Yes. Mika, Mika Zibanejad. Yep. Rope Hens. Well, yeah, <laughs> you love you some Rope <laughs> But I'm, Austin Matthews is probably the bigger deal there, right? Like, right. Travis Konechny has more goals scored this season right now than Austin Matthews does. Better player. Since there it is. When. Mark it. <laughs> but since when? You know what I mean? Like, and, and uh, but I even think it, like, it even goes down to, and and this has probably changed over the course of a couple nights. Like the Flyers have not played near as many games as some of these other teams have coming out of the break. Braden Point only has two more goals than Travis Konechny does. Yep. So does William Nylander. So does Leon Dreisaitl. I I do want to point out, by the way, that uh, Travis Konechny has forty points as leading the team. Connor McDavid, by example, has seventy six because he's a mutant. Literally oh, I almost I, double. I, I thought you were going to say that Travis Konechny has 40 points and he's leading the team. And, oh, by the way, Connor McDavid has 43 assists. Yeah, and 33 you know. goals to go with it. Like, but in fairness, a mutant. But in fairness, okay, so you just you just said it, right? So Konechny has 40 points, right? Who's he tied with? Uh, he's tied with Brady Kachuk, who's had a pretty good year, right? He's one point behind Matthew Barzell, which... Again, probably something that's changed in the last couple. He's three points behind Steven Stamkos. He's four points behind four points behind Mika Zibanejad. Five points behind Sidney Crosby and William Nylander and Artemi Panarin. Like, you see where I'm going with this? He's, he's in he's, he's in a class with names of people who go to All Star games. He's putting up elite production. I don't think that is a stretch at this point. I'm well, not and, saying he's an elite player. I'm not saying he's playing elite hockey at all times. No, but there's as one of cave- right now, his production is elite. No, but there's one caveat to that also, and that is okay. So I just like I just said, Crosby's got five more, Zabanajed four more, Stamkos is three more, Barzil's one more, right? right? And every player I'm looking at, forty-one games, forty, thirty-eight, thirty-nine, forty-one. Here's one with forty-three. And then you get to Travis Konechny's name and you go, oh, yeah, by the way, he missed a little bit of time. 33. Yep. He's coming. Like, he's got 20 goals and 40 points in 33 games where some of these guys have 40 points or whatever in more like 40 to 41 games. Right. And Kevin Hayes, by the way, does have 35 points. He Since he is the representative here and he was actually the one chosen, we should probably talk about him a little bit, too. No, we are. Like, <laughs> I, no, I know. Like, well, there's, he, he, let's put this way. Up until three weeks ago, let's just say, yeah, about because three weeks ago was the game he was scratched for. He was benched in the at the end of the New Jersey game, scratched for the Ranger game, and then came back and kind of let's not lie about this. Kind of, you know, didn't look super interested either. He sulked. He sulked. You you know, in the game, you know, in the games when he came back, he was he looked disinterested in the first few games, and therefore, you know, he comes back and plays against, you know, against Columbus. Well, plays against, no, but plays against Columbus, a game where the team scores five goals, wins the game. He has no points. 
He played, you know, they play against Toronto. He got an assist against Toronto. So, okay, fine. No points against Carolina. No points against San Jose. No points against LA, all in a win. Now, in the last two nights or last two games, two assists against Anaheim. Okay, a little bit back on track. And then, quite literally, after the Flyers didn't score any goals in the first period against Arizona on Thursday. And that was when the All Stars were announced after the first period. So Kevin Hayes gets announced an all-star and then comes out and has three points in the second period. He decided he was having fun because, you know, they told him. Oh, he knew before the game, I think. Oh, did he? It wasn't. Okay. A, yeah, because they had they had already done some sort of an interview with him in pregame, I guess, pregame, because not unless it was in between periods and I didn't catch he, like when specifically that was in between periods. But but he went from a stretch where he was putting up points almost every game. The important right around December is, 7th to quite literally but the important question is, did Keith Yandel make a, an Instagram video on a golf course? Oh, I don't know about that. Oh, yeah, okay. but that's, that's the question. But but he, you're but uh, this is what I'm saying. You're talking about a guy who went from two assists total in nine games from December 9th to December 31st and comes into the new year and all of a sudden gives you five points, you know, four assists, five points in two games after going nine with two points total. It's almost like he decides when he wants to care and not care. Probably a little bit. Something well, that has plagued Kevin Hayes since, and as, don't as far wrong. as I can tell, the day he stepped into the NHL. No, but don't get me wrong. Five points in your last two games suddenly brings you back to, like, he's right back to close to point per game. Like, when he's at 37 games played or 36 games played and still at 30 points, it's like, uh-oh, all right, the production's dipping again, like, kind of back to reality type of stuff. And now he's right back to, you know, 10 goals and 25 assists in 38 games. It's respectable. Yeah. It, it and if and, he and stays think, motivated for more than two weeks at a time, he's a solid. Player. Well, And I think there's two, I think there's two storylines to why he's an all-star. Number one is, you know, is exactly what he's talked about the entire time since being named an all-star. All his brother ever told him was, is one day it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Fair. It's going to happen. And he, and you know, as he admitted, I kind of didn't think it would, you know, but, it's happened, and I think I think it presents an opportunity for him to represent his entire family. Uh, he's and already he he already said post game from Thursday when the announcement was made, and we got to talk to him after the game because he obviously had a on top of being the all star, he had a really good game. Right. And he already he's already said he's taking Jimmy's kids with him. Awesome. Like, is like Jimmy's his brother Jimmy's son Bo is going to be probably out there with him when they do the skills stuff and all that. You I'm know, sure he'll be involved. Exactly. Like it's gonna be, yeah. it's gonna be a fun time because they already do. Look, they already do a lot for, uh, for absolutely Kevin Hayes and, the, and that entire part of it, the Hayes family because of everything that they've gone through, and it's totally understandable. But there is also an element of this that kind of comes across as a let's stick it to John Tortorella for scratching the All Star. <laughs> I yeah, I felt the same thing. Which which and- no, which only gets fueled when Tortorella gets asked. You know, not about why, you know, hey, Kevin Hayes is an all-star. What do you think? Because, like, let's be real. When, you know, maybe don't ask about Kevin Hayes when the guy has scratched him, right. you know. But let's ask about Travis Konechny. Did you think Konechny I'm, should have been an all-star? And John Tortorella's answer is, I don't even pay attention to that. You know, I don't care. I really do frank- not care. I don't quite watch frankly, it. I believe him. Um, oh, I know. And I'm not saying it's uh, – no, but, it, like, there's your headline for the next day. Is, I know. I don't care about the – All-Star. I don't even yeah. watch the All-Star game. Um, I did also want to mention, by the way, that Kevin Hayes would have been a phenomenal All-Star 
in the days of the five-on-five play-a-game, like, the the true, like, the traditional all-star game format is, you know, you and I grew up with it. Kevin Hayes right. would have been great. I think the fact that it went to the three-on-three really hurts that because that's not really well, that's Kevin Hayes' you, strong suit. And that's why you look at, you know, does it, you know, look, for a goalie, who cares? Because you know it's all skill and it's going to be, like, that type of thing, but... Does it hurt for a Travis Konechny to be part of a three-on-three skills tournament? No, that'd be Probably a lot not. Of fun. Right, that'd be a lot and of fun. Especially no, but especially when you look like look at the rest of the group that's going, and it's like, yeah, these guys are gonna like like put put Travis Konechny out there with Jack Hughes and put him out there, you know, you know, even even with like a, Brock Nelson made it, put him out there with Brock Nelson. That would make some sense. Like you can sure. see that being a you know a trio that does something or whatever. You know what I mean? It just yes. it just feels a little weird, but. We'll see where everything goes now. I, I I don't completely know all the details of the voting thing. I know it goes to a vote now, and I think have a few days. You have a few days two, to vote. Yeah, uh, no, I know, I know, I, I know the details about how many more make it. Oh, okay, I, okay. I'm I'm saying I don't I don't I didn't recall seeing the timeline for like voting is open until blank, probably a week. Uh, yeah, I think it was like January 16th or something like that. Okay, because um, I I know it's two players and a goalie are getting voted in. That okay. I know. Okay, and you know. We don't put a whole lot of stock into the All Star Game. Obviously, it doesn't have any effect on the. No, sport. but they like it like. And here's the thing: they left they left the door open for some easy picks. I enjoy it. I have fun watching it personally. I, I okay. Here here's what I'll say about it. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go full John Tortorella and tell you I don't watch it. I do. Um, do I put a lot of stock into it? Do it like it's it's become it's shinny. Well, yes, and. It's become way less of a I get excited to sit down and watch it and more a um, oh, yeah, it's on it, it becomes no truthfully. It's become more of a background noise type thing, you know, well, because there's a couple things about it too. like the all star game has always traditionally fallen right around when my birthday is. And 90 oh percent of the time, I'm just like, like it won't it kind of won't this year because it's in. It's like the the first weekend of February, right? Is what it is. So I like believe the, so. Or yeah. it's the third and the fourth. Yeah. And they like make a whole week out of it. Like, re- if I'm being totally honest, the weekend of my birthday this year, they're still playing on Saturday night. They're on the road, so it doesn't make a difference. I'll just be right. home, but they're still playing. So I really don't like. If nothing else, I'll, the best part for me is going to be that there's probably going to be a break. Like over the course of that, like I get a little bit of time to just chill out and not have to do, you know, put together a game story and all that type of stuff. And so we'll see. Um, but it's yeah, it's become more and more over the years a background noise kind of thing. I think there's like there's been a couple of nights. I think like the night that Konechny played in his first All Star game. Okay. I I went out with friends that night. Like it was on. I saw what happened. I got updates on it, but I wasn't exactly sitting there glued to the TV. Like, was that the year with the hideous yellow jerseys? Um, I don't know. I Konechny was wearing like a. It, it was very similar to the ones when Wayne Simmons played for the Flyers, yes. and, and in all three games, they were like silver. I, I believe that was the, the year one of the divisions. I think it was the Pacific had horrible bright yellow highlighter. Yellow no, you're jerseys. thinking of the neon orange almost. It was like a neon orange with black and maybe like, or whatever. No, because there's they they did a couple of them like that because that was the Pacific. The Atlantic was this awful like bright blue and lime green or something okay. like that. That was it was not. You know, it was not very good. Um, 
And I'm trying to think of like what else there was, but that was I remember that. Oh no, it wasn't the Pacific that wore the yellow. That's okay. what it was. It wasn't the Pacific. It might have been the um. It might have been the Central. Oh okay. And then the Pacific wore the, because the Pacific wore jerseys that actually almost passed for Flyers jerseys. Okay. Honestly. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know the one you're talking about. So I think the Central was wearing the yellow. If there was, you know, any. Although they've changed it over the years, kind of like it's. You know, it is what it is. So. I want to see him have fun with it. I want the return of team captains. Um, that was okay. I didn't love that either. I would like to see it. Okay. There was a period in the 90s where it would alternate. And one year it was world versus North America. Yeah, that, that and era the was next, cool. And then the next year it was east versus west. Yeah, that era was cool. I'd like to see something similar here where one year we have divisional games and then the next year we have draft. I think okay. that sounds great. That way you still get that weird thing where like Claude Giroux and Sidney Crosby are on the same team. But then the next year you get draft and you get all sorts of weird, funky combinations. Like the one thing the draft has going for it is that it, that's your one chance, especially, you know, the one like the years that they did, it would have been before some, you know, some players that we're going to mention now. Right. Um, or well, they didn't do it for one year. I shouldn't say that, but they did it for right. a couple. Ovi begging to go last so he could get the car. Is an iconic moment. Like, yeah, on. that is. But like, okay, this is where I'm going with this. Like, okay, Ovechkin and Crosby could still be teammates, even in the format today. Well, they're sure. in the same division. Sure. But wouldn't you love to have a situation where you turn around and you said, "Hey, you know what? Give instead me David of, and Ovechkin." Right. Instead, it well, like you got a whole, you got a whole bunch of scenarios. McDavid, Ovechkin, McCarr, three on three. Come on. No, well, I was going to go a little bit differently with it. You could set it up where you can get McDa- you can get McDavid and Matthews to be teammates. Oh, like you could do you could do that right? In that I want format. McDavid and Eichel to be teammates. You, 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 <laughs> oh, that would be funny. You know what else? Well, they technically they could, I guess. I, they could if both were able to make the game. But um, no, the other scenario I was looking at was is that you could also do something I'm sure they would love to be able to do is you could put McKinnon and uh, Crosby on the same team and let the Cole Harbor boys play together for the, you know, in, an, in an all-star game. That'd be cool. And though they would love to play together too. Right. And, but, but that's what the draft did give you was, that's, Hey, yeah, a guy like McDavid, a guy like McDavid could go up and draft his team and say, you know what? I want Austin Matthews on my team. Cause he's a great goal scorer. And I respect, you know, I want to see, I want to see Connor McDavid. Cause obviously he'd be a team captain. I want to see Connor McDavid go to a podium what and he, pick from amongst his peers. He'd be, look, he, I'm saying he'd be a team captain by virtue of being one of the best players, the best on player league. on planet earth. Right. But I wonder if the better play here is to let the captains not be the best. To leave them in the draft pool? N- no, it's not just like to just leave them in the draft pool. It would be let not you don't have to make the captains the best players on the team, but find two really good personalities so that when the draft is like like no offense to Connor McDavid as well, the best player in the world, but I kinda don't want to stick in the mud drafting and like being like yeah, I'll just take Matthew. Like, now, like you said, you said two. I picture that we leave it as four and still do the three on three tournament, but with four captains and it's playground style. Like that's one, interesting. two, three, four, four, three, two, one. One, two, three, four, Ooh. four, three, two, one. Give me the. So you want to go serpentine draft? Abs- well, you have to in, on, on that format. But then your first pick. Give me a give me a Sagan traded pick situation again like they did that one time <laughs> come on 
I the only like and again the only thing I would wor- not worry about, but the only thing you would have to I think you have to make sure you do is whoever's picking the teams, you need to find. Like okay, he's not going to be the biggest star out there, but in a heartbeat, if you're trying to pick a specific team, I'd make Trevor Zegers a captain. Uh, and I'm say picking, I'm picking Phil Castle. Well, Kessel would be funny too, and Kessel also went last in a in one of these fantasy drafts, which would be funny. But like, no, my point is like Zegers, you can tell has a good personality. Yeah, he'd be a lot like, of fun. With like, that. I like, I'd rather have Zegers come out and tell me why I'm pick, like, tell me why he's picking McDavid and get excited about picking McDavid, right? Over over McDavid picking like even an Austin Matthews or an Alex Ovechkin from the other conference and saying, yeah, yeah I t- I take OV, I take like whatever, you know what I mean? Like, I, I, think I just think it's go gonna for. be. You go one divi- one captain from each division, and that's what you have your. You can have your fans vote on everything too, if you want. Listen, you no, heard you're, it here you're, first. You're pick, you're, but you're picking. You're saying one captain from each division. Yeah, where there are no division lines, like it would still be team. Like if, well, if, if, so one captain from each division, and then the rest of the players are just thrown in the draft pool. Right, no, I get That's, that. What I'm, yeah. What, what, yeah, what I'm saying is, is that you're picking a captain that represents each team or each division. Right. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. I, I mean, Either a, way, I think we're gonna have fun with it. Kevin Hayes is an all star. We'll talk about it a little more probably the week leading into it. But sure. Quite frankly, I I'm gonna forget about it until that starts. So. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of something I'm going to forget about shortly now that it's over, uh, let's talk about World Juniors for a little bit. Sure. Um, did you watch a whole lot of World Juniors this year? I did not get a chance to. Not in the early yeah. going. Like, I, I wasn't watching a ton, like, from the very beginning. And there was, and, and in fairness, there was a couple days where, like, for, for the most part, my interest in viewing was whenever U.S. and Canada would have been on. Okay. I, you know, I know that there was a day, I want to say the Friday before or the Friday of the um of the like the group play. Okay. Neither team played. Like the, it was two games. I think it was like kind of lower end competition, so I definitely didn't watch anything that day. Um on New Year's Eve, I think the US game was at the same time the Flyers played the Kings, so I was kind of distracted. I wasn't to, able to had to go to work for that one. Right. So <laughs> I kind of wasn't able to. And then when Canada played later that night, I think we were already like I was already like I was out of hockey mode. I was hosting something for New Year's Eve. The game, nice. you know, the Flyers game went from four to six thirty ish, seven o'clock ish. I was, I dismissed everything else at that point. Um, Fair. Th- there was another day in the earlier part of that week too that was a complete off day for both of those teams. Um, and then New Year's Day, nobody played. Quarters were the second. That was probably about when I really started to try to watch as much as I could. But again, quarters were on the second, and I was kind of bouncing back and forth between like the Flyers are going to be on later. I'd watched I had watched the Winter Classic earlier in the day. I watched as much of the Winter Classic as I could. It was a lot of fun. So, you know, I like I I I totally remember. I sat down. And I definitely I watched both semis. I didn't watch as much of the medal games only because. The bronze medal game was at two thirty on a Thursday afternoon, and actually probably had started to wrap about the time that I was getting ready to leave to go to the, the Flyers against against Coyotes. So I wasn't paying complete attention to the U.S. game. Now 
I will say this. The entire gold medal game happened over the course of while the Flyers were playing. Yes. On Thursday. Yes. At some point in time, somebody had the TVs in the press box. Some of them flipped over to the junior game. So we weren't watching replays above us of what was on in, in front of us. We actually had on the gold medal game. That's so hilarious. I distinct, so I distinctly saw that it was 2 nothing Canada, eventually 2-2. Two, two, and I did not see the golden goal because the, the golden goal happened as we were standing and waiting for John Tortorella. Yeah. And, okay. Cannot, so, so cannot, like, I caught stuff in highlights, but I really was not watching a bunch live. Right. And I was kind of in a similar boat. I saw um, most of the – or a decent chunk of the Canada-U.S. game, a little bit of the gold medal game. Other than that, I was mostly kind of just following. Um, and one thing you couldn't help but follow was Connor Bedard because he was absolutely the story of the tournament. We're talking record smashing. Like, he did everything shy of – break Peter Forsberg's points record. Like, every other record fell. All the Canadian records fell. 23 points. 9 goals, 14 assists. In 7 games. Yeah, I mean, if if the... Um, if the game they played, if the gold medal game was more high-scoring, he might have... Or not even more high-scoring, because he didn't really have much involvement... He would have not had a hard time catching much. Forsberg. Forsberg's at thirty-one. He was at twenty-three. He would have had a hard time catching Forsberg. No, no, no. But he would have. He was going to exceed. I think twenty-four was a big marker because it was going to be like. It was going to put him into like it, it was. It's a unique class to be in, regardless. Like, okay. Let's, but like, he didn't really like it, the gold medal game. Wasn't completely his show, you know. Right. Like, not as compared to some of the other games were like. Didn't oh, by have, the way, like, he had a oh, seven point game one night or something like something ridiculous like that. Oh, by the way, he's only 17. <laughs> like well, we, ex- we expect him to be on well, an right. NHL he just, roster he just next had year. The best, he just had the best performance of a, of like a 17 year old roughly since Wayne Gretzky in world juniors. Like, right. If, if he's not on an NHL roster, which we all expect him to be next year. If for some reason he's not, he is eligible to play in this tournament again. As a, like at another year older, he's actually still eligible to play in it, even if he uh, is on an NHL roster. Well, I means, I know we did see that, like, some guys go. Well, I'm sure the Arizona Coyotes were you know longing for Dylan Genther to play. You know and for them sure when did. when they're struggling oh. it up against the Flyers, <laughs> playing some of their worst hockey of the year. I and think the Coyotes are the just fine sending him. Let him go play some high-quality hockey with some quality teammates. <laughs> and in the meantime, we'll lose some games and get a good draft position. Start talking sure. to Connor. He's going to be your teammate in a few months. Sure. <laughs> do, do, do we want to mention what his uh, WHL numbers are leading into this tournament? <sighs> yeah. Let me. This is. I've got him up. I've got him up in front of me already. Yeah, I do too. 27. Goals, 37 assists for 64 points in 28 games. I think those are the same numbers we had on our last show. He might have played another they might game have or been. two. I, they um, were getting ready for it. Yes, you're right. right. Were... 64 points in 28 games. By the way, that's a 57-game pace of 130 in 57 games. Hey, you know, what other player were you talking about that has, like, an insane number of points this year? Is uh, is his name also Connor? 
Yes, it is. Isn't it going to be oh. fun when the two best players in the league are named Connor? So, okay. Because it's no, because it's coming. Be I know. ready for it. Well, that's the thing. I wasn't alive. I wasn't alive and old enough to know better when Mario and Wayne played at the same time. Sure. Well, especially in the hey, like in the heyday, right? Like, yeah, you're talking about like in the '80s when they're the two best players right. in the league. If Connor Bedard, we know what Connor McDavid is. He has firmly proven himself. He does not need to do anything else to prove. Right, and as and, well, and as good of a player as as Leon Draisaidel is, it's like Leon, sure. Dry, Leon Draisaitl even rides the coattails of McDavid a little bit because but if, like. But if Connor Bedard is anywhere near as good. As Connor McDavid is, if he does the things that Connor McDavid has been doing on some level, you know, in terms of production, man, this league's going to be a lot of fun. This sure. league's going to be a lot of fun, and there's a real good argument to be made, by the way, that Dry's Idol is Mark Messier in this in this comparison. <laughs> sure. Um, <laughs> no, but it was the thing that got me more than anything is so Bedard scores that goal in overtime that gets Canada to the semis. And it's all over the place. I'm seeing oh, it all yeah. over the place, right? And then the next night, McDavid has a moment and has a, a another one of those, oh, he's a total cheat code, you know, he's straight out of a video game, right? And I even tweeted the clip of McDavid's, right? And then Bedard comes back the next night and immediately is making his imprint on the game that he's playing in, right? Yep. So And, some- and, and I'm sitting there thinking about it, I'm going – here we go already. It's one guy's topping the other. Like, what Bedard we, had a moment on Monday, McDavid Tuesday. Here's Bedard again on Wednesday. And, you know. What we need, what we require, first season, first week of the season, Connor McDavid versus Connor Bedard. It's got to be early in the schedule. It's got to be on prime time. It's got to be a Wednesday night rivalry game or whatever your format is for putting premium television on. It's you got to do it early. You have to because they're going to be linked forever. They have the same name. (laughs) So basically what you're trying to tell me is don't be surprised if Edmonton opens their season against Against Arizona. No, against the combination of Chicago, Columbus, Anaheim, Arizona, San Jose, Montreal, Philadelphia. Yep. Because as as they figure out who is actually in, because let's be let's be real. Whenever the lottery happens, that's when you're going to know who's getting him. Exactly. They can make the schedule then. So you can make the schedule based yep. off of that in terms of opponent. In like I late mean, May oh, or whenever it is. Well, no. The, <laughs> you, know what the, you know what the easy thing to do is? You play. But it's Bedard you play goes all on, those teams. Well, no. You, it's Bedard goes on the road against whomever. Like this way you can keep the date. Like, okay. You can plan the date around Edmonton. And then this way, the second matchup, it doesn't matter. Right. Or whatever it turns out to be. Right? Like. In other words, as long as it's an Edmonton home game, you can make Arizona go play in Edmonton to start the year if that's what the situation allows. No, absolutely. I get what you're saying for sure. You probably can't do that much last-minute flexibility with, hey, when's the building available in Chicago, in Columbus, in whatever. You know what I mean? To ensure ensure we can get get Edmonton in there at a time that works best for them. Like you, you can't exactly put Edmonton on a road trip to start the year with. You're going to go all of those places. You might go to Arizona, play. right? Right, <laughs> but you can certainly make well, a last. 
a last minute change and say, hey, by the way, whoever gets him, you're going to Edmonton in the first week. They don't end up making the schedule till June or July. We'll know who has the pick by then. They have plenty of time. So, all right. Um, you know, I think that just about does it for today's show. Yeah. Is there, I mean, is there, is there any other? Is there any other league stories? I did like the thing. So I hinted at this with the Boston thing earlier because yeah. we already got to what they're actually like. They've only lost eight games total, only four in regulation so far. If they like. The, the easiest way to do on pace four is halfway, right? And they're not quite at halfway yet. But right. let's just play. Let's just play along for a second because you realize that by virtue of winning the game that they just did against San Jose, they're guaranteed to get to the halfway point and be on pace to tie the record for wins in a season. Yeah, they're already there. Yep. And oh, by the way, they play Anaheim on Sunday night. So there's a dub. They, Right, so they might be, they might get to halfway and be on pace for beating it. What six no, sixty four wins, which has never been done before. And oh, by the way, they're already at sixty six points. The, which and they're we, gonna and they're gonna add at the deadline. Like that's the thing. Sixty six points at halfway ties the record, I believe. Crazy. This is this is a record setting team if they maintain pace. This is a wagon. And that may be, you know, and that may be a good thing, and it may be a bad thing. Like it may be a horrible thing for the team that you know. Don't be I'm the not, president's trophy winner. Don't you know? Don't I'm, be the team that everybody's talking about. But imagine if they add like a John Klingberg. That would be an interesting one. I think they're going to look. I, I think they're going forward. Okay. Like I, I don't look. I, Brock Besser. No, for whatever reason, I just sit there and I go. They're the type of team that finds a way to make Patrick Kane work. Oh my God. Yep. That's I'm sorry. It's just what well. And here's the thing: they're already in overage next year. Patrick Kane's contract expires. Why not? Right. Go, go in a cup. But they're the exact type of team that I can see. Like, let's bring him in. Yep. You imagine? You know? Do you, can you imagine if your top line were to, is? I mean, right? Jake DeBruskus went out for a little while, so it's un, which is unfortunate because he was having a good year. But can you imagine if their top line is Marshawn? Bergeron, Pasternak, and then, oh, by the way, your second line is Krejci, Taylor Hall, and Patrick Kane. Is that I'm good? Sorry. I'm sorry, is that good? Is that good? <laughs> That's obscene. All of a sudden, Jake DeBrusque just became a third-line winger because... All right, you ready? Yeah, yeah go ahead. Brock Besser. Uh, is that what you're thinking? I mean, I can I understand... Taylor Hall, Krejci, Besser as your second it's line? Good. It's good. Oh, yeah, but well, and it helps get you an asset that doesn't isn't a hundred thousand years old. That's I get, and, or I get, whose contract isn't expiring. I get that, but they've got enough guys who are probably like. To be honest, if, if there was ever a year to just say screw it and go after you know like to did break, you think, did you think they were getting Lindholm last season? No, I'll give you that, but it, it, it feels like that kind of addition. That's what I'm saying. I get like, you, I get you there, but you, like you know, get a piece that helps you now, but you get them in a position where you can lock them down long term. I, I hear you, but I don't know if that's I, that's important and it's not all at the same time. Like I understand because because my point is the reason but, why I'm making the argument for Kane is is that despite the fact that Kane's on an expiring contract, right? So you know. Oh, I know. They, you can get it double retained and get it down to. Oh no 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 no. That's not what I'm. Oh no 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 no. That's not what I'm worried about. What I'm sitting here saying is is that. You're on a time. You're on a timeline right now where it's 
go. It could always it could always be Bergeron's last year. Yep. There's a there's a really good chance that what Krejci did is a one and done situation. Yes. You might as well go with the guy who I don't care if I only. By have the way, David Pasternak's contract is up. Yeah, but I think like that that, you're, that matters. It matters, but I think that like if if there's a player that you're gonna have the ability to bring back, that's the one. Oh no, for sure. But what I'm saying is from a flexibility perspective, because David Pasternak's not making six point seven on his next contract. No, he's making it's not happening. Digits. He's making double digits. Right. So the pieces you can fit in around him, Boston's a wagon. But all right, I, I'm um, just I'm just saying if you've got one year to go for it with Bergeron, Krejci, add Patrick Kane to the mix too while you're at it, like. Throw it all in there and just go. Yep. You and know, like why not at this point? Just go. Like, like you've already let's like you've already got a Hall of Famer centering your top line. Right. Decent chance that you've got that the guy who's on the left side of him could be thrown into a Hall of Fame discussion. Okay. I don't think David Krejci's that far away. Well, why? And but why not add a guy who you know is a Hall of Famer? Yep. Uh Who also, you know. Who also beat you in a cup final? Who's got three of them to his name compared to the year one? And I still think there's always a chance that Dano contract, Zidane Chara signs a contract and shows up for the playoffs. But that's nah, I also I can't see that. Watching can't the winner, that. watching the winner classic, he has done an excellent job stepping seamlessly into his role as Bruins. That's what I'm taught. Yeah, like he has. That's why I can't see him. But he's hanging back. around. No, I think I Looks think like he's, he's hanging. in great shape. I think he's hanging around just because that's where he's going to be most identified, and that's, that's the way it is. All like, right. Like, let's let's not forget Tuka Rask tried this and then decided, never mind, and is probably goalie's just... A, goalie's a little different. And he well, I know, but it's, pro- but it's probably just as comfortable watching the duo, you know, the the hug-it-out duo of Linus Olmark and Jeremy, Jeremy Swayman. That's fair. All right, we're going to get you out of here. Some, and for some reason or another, the national networks have, like, not remembered every single time to. Too. Like, yeah. no, 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 but have not remembered. Put oh. the camera on them at the end of a win. Right. On national television. If you broadcast a Hurricanes win at home, you wait for the storm surge. If you broadcast a Bruins right. win, you, you wait for the goalie hug. It was the freaking winter classic, though. <laughs> right. Put the camera on the goalies. All right. We're out of here. We'll be back next week. We got four Flyers games tonight against Toronto, Buffalo, two games with Washington. We'll be back next week to talk about them. Follow the Twitter at YWT Podcast. Follow Kevin at Kevin underscore Darso. Find us everywhere you find your podcast. Facebook, Instagram, Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, SportstalkPhilly.com. I think we're on Pandora. Um, we will be back in a week. And uh, until then, go birds. We'll see you.